So last year, uh, I think this, this was about a year ago, the pastoral staff here, we did, uh, we did something called the Strengths Finder test. Now, I don't know if you guys know what that is. It's, uh, it's kind of like a personality test, but what you do is you just answer a bunch of questions, and at the end, it tells you kind of what you are most naturally inclined towards, what your, what your strength is, right? Uh, and it was, the results were actually really interesting because I, I thought I knew the staff pretty well. We thought we knew each other really well, but actually there was a lot of things that we, we didn't really know too much about each other. Um, <clears throat> you know, there, a, few of us, uh, a few of us, our strength was something called developer. Now, developer, in other words, it's something that where you're passionate about raising others up and helping people to be better, right? And that actually really makes sense if you're in ministry. Unfortunately, that, that wasn't my strength, but that was some other people's. Uh, you know, and, and someone else, they had the strength of harmony, right? In other words, you know, people, they, they can try to divide, but, but this person in particular brings people together. Their, their strength is connecting others. That's, their, that's what God has given them. That, that wasn't my strength either. <laughs> what was interesting as, as I was doing the strengths finder, and then as I looked at the result was my strength was actually something called futuristic. Now, I was confused at first. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this was true. Because uh, in my mind, right, I, I didn't realize it until I took this test, but in my mind, I realized I'm always thinking about tomorrow. Right? I'm always thinking about what if. I'm always thinking about what, what could happen in a few months, what could happen in a few years, what could happen down the road. And for me, I, I realized that I am pretty goal-oriented. Um, I am someone who, rather than seeing where people are now, I, I tend to see the potential in people. I tend to see the potential in places. And, and a lot of times, I'm very single-minded in how I approach that. And for me, I realized that's honestly kind of what's helped me get, get through a lot of difficult times. And I think in the past however many years when I've been in school and when I've been in ministry, uh, there's been a lot of hard times, but it's been my plan moving forward that's kept me in check and that's kept me going for a lot of it. And I think for a lot of us, we're the same way. Because we've all gone through some difficult times, but a lot of the times the reason why we're able to endure is because we see something coming up that we're holding on to. We see an, an end point. We see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? And so we're willing to endure. And a lot of times, in fact, it would seem foolish if we didn't have that type of plan, right? I mean, if you talk to a person and they say, oh, I don't really know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't really know what's going to happen in a few years. What would we say? Dude, what are you doing? You're foolish. Start making a plan. Start thinking about the future. Start understanding where you're going. Because if you don't understand where you're going, then all the time that you're spending right now is, is pointless. And that's why when we read this passage... A lot of times it can be so confusing. And a lot of times it just doesn't make sense because 
What it seems like James is telling us here, what it seems like James is saying in this passage is he's saying, look, do, do not make plans. Don't make any plans. Don't think about tomorrow. And he says, look, when you think about tomorrow, that's prideful. That's arrogant. So don't do that. And so we read that and we're like, okay, God tells us not to. And yet my common sense, common sense tells me I should. So what, what am I supposed to do? And even for myself, when I first read this passage, man, you know how confusing it was for me? He says, don't think about tomorrow. All I think about is tomorrow. Literally, that's like all I focus on. And so it doesn't make sense to me when James said, don't think about it. But you see, the more I read it and the more I tried to understand it, the more I realized that James, he actually isn't saying that. He's not. Because in verse 13 and 15, he says this, all of you say, tomorrow I'm going to do this, but instead you ought to say something else. James isn't telling us that we shouldn't make plans for tomorrow. What James is saying is that there's a fundamental difference between the way that we normally make plans and the way that we should make plans, you see. Because James is saying that the way that we make plans normally, the way that we think about the future regularly, and the way that we think about tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now, the way that we do that is fundamentally wicked and evil. He says that straight to our face. And he says thinking about tomorrow isn't bad, but you see the way that you're doing it is sinful. That's what he's saying. Now, the question you're asking is, what is that sin? Right? Well, it's really simple. But that's why it's so difficult. James is talking about a sin so obvious that it's completely hidden for a lot of us. And it's a sin so huge that a lot of us can't see it. Now, what am I talking about? Let me give you an example. When I was in college, uh, the ministry I was a part of would go into L.A. to serve the homeless. And what's interesting is that L.A., when we think of L.A., we think of like Hollywood, we think of uh, all, all of that kind of stuff, but L.A. is also home to one of the, the biggest homeless populations in uh, America. And it's so big that there's this designated area that's set kind of apart for homeless called Skid Row. And it's where over 20,000 homeless men, women, and children live. And I remember volunteering there, and in that place, there, there's no good waste system place. And because everyone is bunched up together, we, you have just thousands of people just in a very cramped area. And I remember that the first time I went there, it was a shock because I had to cover up my face. My eyes were watering because for me, the smell was just, it was overpowering. And you see, the thing is, though, that I went to go talk to this volunteer leader who has been there for years and years, serving and serving. And for him, he, it was nothing. He was fine. He was just going about his work. And he said, you know what, I can tell the difference between people who've been here for a long time and people who come here maybe once a year to, to serve. 
Instead, the people who come just once a year to serve, they're the ones who are, just can't stand the smell, who, who, who are always covering their face, and yet the ones who have been serving year after year after year, for them it's just another day. They're used to it. You see, James is saying that tomorrow is constantly on our minds. That even if you try, it becomes almost impossible to live your life not thinking about the future. And it becomes such an ingrained part of us. And yet because it's so ingrained, there can be a sin that's attached to it that we don't even realize. And that sin is really simple. It's to go about your day, it's to make a plan, and it's to simply forget about God. James is saying that one of the easiest and yet most fundamental sin is that in the busyness of life, you forget to include God. In verse 15, you see, that's what James is saying here. You should be connecting God with everything you're doing. We've talked about this. That when you are a Christian, what that means is that God isn't just a part of your life. He's your life. That when you are a Christian, that you don't compartmentalize a piece of your heart. He is your heart. And so when God is everything to you, he also demands everything from you. There's no such thing about only giving him Sundays. There's no such thing about only giving him parts of your life. And for us, we understand that to a point. We understand that at a mental level. And yet, James, he comes out and he connects it for us. He says, look, you may understand that in your mind, but I'm going to tell you how to live that out. You see, if you are a Christian and if God is your life, then this is what you do. When you make plans, you ask God first. When you think about forming a relationship with that boy or that girl, you put God first. When you think about next year, you think about how God would feel before you think about anything else. And yet because we are constantly making plans for tomorrow, because we have lived thousands if not tens of thousands of days, planning for another day becomes routine. And so we just forget about God, and we just live our lives. And so now, the thing is, though, there are two things that happen when we forget about God. The first is that we are hurting our relationship with God. And secondly, we are hurting our own lives. Now, what do I mean by hurting our relationship with God? Have you ever been forgotten? You know, there's a quote by P.T. Barnum where he said, um, there's no such thing as bad press, right? And I don't know if you know P.T. Barnum. He's pretty famous. He was this uh, philanthropist. He was an author. He was a politician. But most of us would probably know him from creating a traveling group that would later be known as the Barnum and Bailey Circus. See, before he became famous, he would travel with people that wouldn't be considered normal by society's standards. 
There were people who were considered albinos, giants, little people, and there would be a lot of criticism because of it. But he said, you know what, it's okay. And this is how he would encourage the people there because they would, they would get so upset. He said, look, it's okay because they're talking about us. They're interested. They want to know more about us. So it doesn't matter whether it's good, whether it's bad. It's okay because they're talking about us. And little did we know later that, yes, they were interested. And yes, later, as time went on, they did become more and more famous. You know, I remember uh, watching one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time growing up, Home Alone, right? And I remember my whole life when I was growing up thinking that those two burglars were the bad guys. You know, I rewatched it recently, and I had this great awakening. I realized that the bad guys weren't the burglars, they were the parents. I mean, think about it. No matter how busy you are, no matter how many children you have, I mean, they had like, like 12, 13, I don't even remember, they had a lot of kids. And then, of course, Christmas time is busy, and of course things can, but how do you forget your own child, right? And so the whole time, I, just, I was like so upset at the parents, right? Like just, I couldn't even concentrate at the rest of the movie. I was, I was like, poor Macaulay Culkin, I, I feel so bad for him, right? Look, the reason why being forgotten hurts so much is because you're being treated as someone who doesn't matter. And I think it becomes even worse when you are forgotten by someone that you really respect. And it especially hurts when you are forgotten by someone you care about. And I think it hurts the most when you are forgotten by someone you love. It destroys you. And a lot of times it can leave a scar that, that doesn't really go away. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, God, he tells the Israelites to remember him. He says, look, don't just think about me in the temple. Don't just think about me when you see these miracles. Don't just think about me in these times. Look, don't forget me. And in the Bible, it talks about, look, the wicked ones are the ones who forget. And yet those who place their trust in him, they will be remembered forever. I think what really hurts is that the reason someone forgets about us is because they're essentially saying, Lord, I, I don't need you. I, I forgot about you because you're replaceable. And in verse 16, James says that Forgetting about God is not only sinful, it's prideful and arrogant. And he's connecting that thought with this verse. You see, when we plan our lives without God, we're telling God that he's replaceable. He isn't needed because, you know what, we're going to put ourselves in your place. Every time we make a decision without being intentional, we are putting all the blessing and yet all of the responsibility on our shoulders. And we're saying, God, I'm going to be God in my life. God, I'm going I'm to try to do this on my own. 
And so for you, you just take a step back. I'm not going to really consult you. I'm not going to really think about you. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to hold all of the good, and I'm going to hold all of the bad. But you see, that is a, a terrible burden that we bear. And that's the second part of forgetting about God, is that we hurt our own lives. You see, how does forgetting about God hurt us? Church, why are you worried? Why do we get anxious? Why is it sometimes so stressful that we can't sleep at night? It's because of this one fundamental sin of forgetting about God. Because what we're saying is, I am planning tomorrow and I know what is good and I know what is right. And I know what needs to happen in my life. And when you do that, you are taking all of the responsibility, you are taking all of the burden, you are taking everything into account, all of the accidents that could happen, all the bad things that could happen, and you are placing it purely on your shoulders. And when you do that, it's really simple. You're saying one thing. You're saying, God, I don't trust you. If my, let's say after service, right, I, I go down or I go home and, and my dad, he calls me. And he says, uh, Danny, I want you going to D.C. tomorrow to meet someone. Without hesitation, I would say, okay, yeah, I'll go. Now, if a close friend comes to me and they say, Danny, I want you going to D.C. tomorrow to meet someone, I would say, why? Right? <laughs> Well, and then I would be kind of hesitant a little bit, but I, I think I'll just say, oh, okay, I'll just, I'll go. I'll trust you, I'll go. Now, if a stranger comes up to me and, and he or she says, look, I want you to go into D.C. and meet someone, I'll say, uh, see you later, right? I'll say, no, of course not. That would be, be weird. That would be crazy if I went and I trusted this person. Look, I trust my dad. I trust my friends, but I don't really trust a stranger. What's the difference between you making plans and you asking God to make your plans? You either are trusting God or you're not. You're either trusting God or you're trusting yourself. And so what should we say? How should we ask? Here's what you should say. You say, God, I want to go to this school. God, I, I really want this job. God, I, I actually really want to marry this person. I want to have this. I think this is the right place for me to go. I've set this goal. I've decided I want this thing. I've wanted this thing for a long time, God. But I don't know. I don't know whether this is right or wrong. That's what you should say. Because you see, when you say that, you are leaving room at the end for what James says in verse 15. God, if you will let me, I will go. In that moment when you say, God, I, I don't know if this is right. God, I, I'm not sure. I, I really want this. I really want this thing. I've been praying for this for a long time. I've been asking. I've been, I think that this is right, but, but God, I, I don't know. 
you're saying you're leaving room for that one part, that one part that James is asking you to say, that God is, is, is wanting you to have. God, if you let me, I will go. You see, you're allowing yourself to place God first and your plans second. When you place your trust in your plans, you're placing your trust in your circumstances. And so when your circumstances are good, you will be good. But when everything falls apart, then you will have to bear responsibility for that. And more often than not, things are going to fall apart. Look at this world that we're living in. We're living in Northern Virginia, in a place where it's like the top 1% of the world, and yet there are times when we can't even sleep. There are times when bankruptcy, when hurt, when pain, when divorce, when death, when all that stuff happens to us. Think about how much worse everywhere else is. We are blessed beyond comparison, and yet we have so many things happening to us all the time. Accidents have happened. They will happen. Look, do you want to know why you're constantly worried? Do you know why you're constantly stressed? It's because we think that everything is supposed to be perfect. When God says, it's not supposed to be perfect. Your circumstances are not supposed to be perfect. Your future is not supposed to be perfect. Why? Because I'm perfect. Because we trust in a God that is perfect. And so as long as we trust in him who is perfect, then it doesn't matter whether our circumstances are good or bad. Because we rely upon him. He is the rock upon which we stand. Your life can be messy. Your life can have waves. Your life can have wind. But it depends on where you're standing. If you're standing on sand, then of course you're going to flail about. Of course you're going to fall. Of course you're going to stumble. But if you're standing on rock, then it's going to be okay. You'll be okay. Why are you trusting in this world when you have something perfect right in front of you? Why are you holding on to fake pearls when God is willing to give you real ones? Don't take that burden. It's not yours to carry. You see, when you forget about God, you are, you are forgetting who you are. You are a child of God. And he has you in the palm of his hand. You see, in, in the Korean ministry, we have this saying. If you pray, it's God's responsibility. If you don't pray, it's your responsibility. And I think for a lot of us, we have this weird understanding of what prayer is. We think that prayer is something that's for God. You see that? We think God is, is happy that we're talking to him, that God is, is waiting for our prayers like he's by his phone at night waiting for that text, right? We've all been there. 
<laughs> Do you realize that God made prayer for us? He doesn't need our prayer. We need prayer. It's through prayer that we reorient our hearts. And it's through prayer that we give our plans to God. And it's through prayer that our worry goes away. Why do you think we stress prayer so much? God hasn't needed prayer from the very beginning. Prayer was there so that we could communicate with him. And you see, don't mistake what James is saying because it can seem like we can make our own plans and just at the end of, of how we make our plans, we just have to say, if God is willing. We just have to put that one little disclaimer at the end and then we feel good. But you see, what James is saying is, is not about what you say, it's, it's how you think. When you put God first in your plans, you are allowing yourself to be thankful. And that's why James is constantly saying, look, don't be prideful, don't be arrogant, don't be these things. Because the opposite of being prideful, the opposite of being arrogant is being thankful, is being grateful. So he's telling us, look, don't be this way, be this way. Be grateful. Constantly keep in your mind to be, to be thankful, to be grateful, to think of God first. And look, it's not about Anything that you've done is not about being thankful of the things that you have accomplished on your own. It's simply being thankful for what Jesus has done in your life. For what Jesus has already accomplished, for what he is accomplishing, and for what he will accomplish in your life. I mean, look around you, brothers and sisters. Look at your life. Look at your family, look at your friends, look at this church. Look at this rainy weather, it's beautiful. The trees are gonna grow faster, right? Hopefully. It's a good thing, it's blessings from the Lord. And in that way, James is saying, look, be thankful. It's not about just what you say, it's how you think, it's how you process. Because when you connect God to your plans, what you're essentially saying is, God, I will be grateful for everything that you have done. I, I am grateful for everything you have done, and I will be grateful for all that you will do. And you know, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because God has every right to forget us. Because we are the prodigal son. We are the prodigal daughter who has run away again and again, who has wanted everything else but him. We have betrayed and turned our back toward him. And yet in the Bible, it says God looks at you and he is pleased. How is this possible? It's because there is this one person named Jesus. And you see, this man, he not only respected God, he not only cared about God, he loved God deeply. And yet, at the most crucial hour, when Jesus needed God most, it says that Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forgotten me? 
See, church, why was God willing to forget his own son? It was so that he would never need to forget us. In Isaiah, God is telling his people, look, you have gone this, you have gone astray, you have worshipped other gods, you have turned your back towards me. But he says this, everyone else may forget about you, but I won't. You know why? Because I have written you in the palm of my hand. I have engraved your name right here. And you are in front of me. Church, God will never forget us. Have faith in that. Take joy in that. Be thankful for that. And church, I pray that we would never forget him. Let's pray. I'd like just to take a few minutes for you just to pray on your own. This is between you and the Lord. We can go about our day and our life without a single thought, and yet James, he tells us, look, stop, wait, listen to this. It is so easy to forget about God, and yet, it is one of the worst things that we could do. And so in this moment, at this time, go back to the Lord. When you think about your future plans, when you're thinking about what you're going to accomplish tomorrow even, next year, 10 years from now, how is God involved in those things? How is God connected to that? Look, if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, then God isn't a part. He is your life. And so right now, just ask the Lord, God, how, how can you be more a part of my life? How can you be everything? How can I really put you first? In this, in this decision that's coming up in my life, God, how can this be yours? How can I put you first and foremost? Above myself, God, I want you to be there first. I want you to take care of this. I don't want the burden anymore. I don't want the stress. I don't want the worry. I want to be able to sleep well at night because, God, I trust in you. That, your circ that the circumstances in this world, whether they're good or they're bad, they're not going to shake me. I'm going to trust in you because you are perfect and you have always been there for me. And I know that no matter what, you will always be there for me. So God, how can I do that more? God, I pray right now to you. So right now, just take a few minutes. This is you and the Lord. Nobody else. Spend some time just between you and the Lord. God, how can I trust in you more? Let's pray.